Okay, so thanks very much, Paul. I'm uh, I'm not looking at a blank screen. I'm looking at right up Josh's nose right now. Uh, so <laughs> not a pretty sight, but um, it, it's it's good to be here, and I'm listening to all that's going on. And wow, uh, yes, that that interview. Um, what what can we say uh, other than um, the reality of God in the life of one of His uh, children uh, is humbling uh, to hear. Um, we've been doing a, a lot of clearing up recently. My mum is no longer living in her in her home uh, up North Antrim coast, and in, I came across a, a number of trinkets and a number of um, things from from the past. The things I uncovered was a letter dated 1958, uh, and I brought it to my mum and asked her if I had permission to read it. It turns out it was a letter from my dad to my mum uh, when they were dating. Uh, because my dad was studying uh, not far away from where my mum lived. He was studying at McGee College, and he was a bloke that lived down the road. She was kind of finishing her seniors. She was about 18, and he was a few years older, and he, as I say, he lived down the road. The interesting thing in the letter uh, was that, in fact, she kept a lot of letters from um, my dad to her, uh, unbeknownst to me. But the interesting thing in the letter was that he signed the letter off, this letter dated 1958, yours in Christ, Mr. Brown. I thought, oh, you, you romantic so-and-so dad. Uh, um, but really interesting uh, to, to, to read the letter. It turns out that was the first letter that he wrote her because when she initially met him, she knew him as Mr. Brown. And it struck me that if someone was to find that letter and only read the end of the letter, they would lose a whole picture of what that story was about because you'll read in that letter how my dad's strategy had started to try to lure my mum into his affections. And, uh, and so the story goes on. Whether I've her permission to read any of the other letters, I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to bring them to her uh, and actually ask for permission. But it struck me that it's so important when we read letters to read them in the entirety. Uh, and in the case of this letter of Ephesians, it is so important not to just read the end of the letter, but to read all of the letter. Because the letter of Ephesians is written in two parts. Um, and the second part we'll see is very practical, but the first part sets the context. It was a, a letter written to encourage believers in a variety of churches in the surrounding area of Ephesus, uh, but really to expand their horizons, to let them see the bigger picture of what God had done and what God has done. And given then what God has done, the second part of the letter is how should we respond? How should we live? Uh, and what should the church look like? And that's why we've called our series Walk This Way. I'm going to try my best to share with you the slides um, because it's really about our responding to how God has already uh, acted in Christ for us and for the church, for what God has already done. It was a letter that was written by Paul in prison, probably in Rome, to a people and a place where following Jesus could bring persecution, could bring exclusion, uh, from family and friends. And the surrounding culture was uh, was basically steeped in pagan worship. There's a huge temple in the middle of Ephesus dedicated to a Roman god named Diana. 
And Paul had kind of been church planting there for uh, some time, about two to three years. And we can read that whole story in Acts chapter 19 and 20. I'm not going to say too much more about the letter at this stage, but the, these were a people who knew uh, the, the, how hard it was in, in the culture and, and the challenges of sharing the good news to this culture. And so that's why we're calling this letter Walk This Way, because Paul was calling them to live like the church should, because uh, the church should be living in a different way in response to what God has already done for them. We were a new culture. We're a culture which is submitted to one another, which promotes unity and maturity. And I believe so much that this letter is relevant to us right now. If there ever was a way urgently that the church needs to speak to the surrounding culture in the world that we live in, in the context we live in, coming out of COVID and seeing the world war in our midst on our TV screens, it's now. Because this is much more than words is how the church speaks. It's becoming authentically who we were meant to be. And so uh, the, the, uh, let me just try and see if I can get the, uh, I'm going to share the screen again uh, to let you see the structure of the letter in Ephesians. So crudely speaking, it's in two halves. The first half, chapters one to three, is almost a continuous prayer almost a continuous prayer of thanksgiving and full of joy as Paul summarizes what God has done, what it means to be alive in Christ. And then the second half is very practical. Uh, and it starts in chapter four with the words, therefore. This is how, therefore, we demonstrate to the surrounding world how to live it out, how to walk this way, what it means to live in God's new society. So today we're just looking at chapter one. And chapter one is, is, is kind of in very briefly, just to say it's, it's two parts. There's praise and there's a prayer. There's praise for what we've given, been given in Jesus. And then there's a prayer for, that the church would appreciate uh, this position and this blessing that we have available to us. Because the letter is so much about the, the amazing blessings that are available to us. What really surprises me when I, when I think of the context is Paul was in prison writing this and it was to a people in a time of hardship. And he launches into this 12 verse song of praise from verses three to 14, almost st uh, without stopping for a breath. Uh, and so uh, I'm just, again, this is very complicated. You'll have to appreciate it to get my to get the PowerPoint slides up. So this is how he starts the letter. And I'm going to get Don to read it in a moment or two. This is what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We are blessed, he's saying. And I wonder, as the people listened to him speaking, seriously? A natural question for them, and maybe for us might be, how am I blessed? And I would ask the question, what would he say to us today? Would he say the same thing to us today after two years of isolation? Would he say the same thing to a Christian brother or sister in Ukraine right now? And I believe he would, and we'll explain why in a minute or two, but I'm going to ask Dawn uh, to read from verses 3 to 14. And as she does, I want you to try to hear how we are blessed. I'm going to hand over uh, to Dawn now. Well, I don't know if I'll read it without taking a breath, but I'll make it a good go. 
Um, so from Ephesians 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he pr proposed in Christ to be put into effect when, sorry, when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So how are we blessed? How are we blessed in this current world as we, that we faced, uh, that, we're, that we're in today? You might argue that we can answer that more easily in Northern Ireland than some of our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. But the key here, I believe, is understanding where we are blessed. You see, Paul is not talking about the material world here. He's saying that we are blessed in the heavenly realms, literally the sphere of spiritual activity which is as real as the material world that we're living in. And this is a repeated theme right throughout this uh, letter. In chapter six, he talks about the struggle that we have, not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, where God and all his spiritual, uh, where all the spiritual powers dwell, good and evil, where Jesus has been enthroned, where a battle is being raged, where we need to stand firm and put on spiritual armor. Paul's saying we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. This is not about wealth or comfort or even for Paul, freedom from prison, but in the spiritual realm. And one day we will enjoy these blessings fully in glory. These blessings are found only for those who are in Christ and that's important to, to mention. So it's us in Christ are the ones who are spiritually blessed. At half term, I have to confess, uh, I, I downloaded. I was up. I was up at, uh, at my mum's place, and there's a, there's a, there's a room upstairs in my mum's place, and it looks over uh, the, 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 the 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 Irish Sea, and you can see uh, Rathlin Island. It's a beautiful view from where we are, and. I had some time in my hands and it was a few days off and I decided to download a, a golf game. I was, I was feeling nostalgic for my youth and I remember playing this golf game on a computer and I wondered what the level of technology was today. 
And it was amazing. Free golf game, downloaded it. Next I knew I was playing with one person in Acapulco and then another person in France and another person in New Zealand. And you can talk away to them while you're playing. Well, you type away to them. Uh, and it's fascinating and you get into this um, anyway. Uh, please don't tell anyone I told you that. But I, I had time on my hands and I was, I was playing with this. Actually, it turned out it was a golf pro in Acapulco who was playing computer golf with me. And I was actually winning the game going up the last tour. And then all of a sudden, I hooked the ball into uh, bushes and I lost the game. Let me tell you, I was absolutely, in the moment, furious. And then I caught myself on and I looked up and I thought, here is me in the virtual world absolutely furious at putting a wee white ball into a bush and losing against some computer screen. When I look up, I can see in the real world, Rathlin Island, beaches waiting for me to walk in uh, and, and, and so much time on my hands to enjoy freedom. This other world, I, I, was, I was getting lost in this other world. And this passage that Paul's talking about is, is somewhat similar to this. It's calling us to realize that we are in this earthly realm, but we also live in a spiritual realm. We have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. And Paul is calling us to realize, well, he's praising God and reminding us to realize that every spiritual blessing we is available to us in Christ Jesus. You know, he goes on in this passage to talk about that we are royalty, we're adopted into God's family, we're purchased, we've been forgiven, we're sealed with his spirit. And my problem, I have to confess sometimes as I reflect on this, is sometimes maybe I want too much of an earthly blessing. Maybe I'm too earthly minded. We focus so much, don't we, on the here and now. And Paul is redirecting our gaze upwards. And then Paul goes on uh, in this song of praise to list some of these blessings. And the first one I'm going to put up in a moment or two, but it reminded me of, of a situation that happened to us recently. Uh, you see, Bethel's mom, as most of you know, passed away about, about six months ago. Uh, and long before she did, she wrote a letter uh, and she gave it to one of her sons. He's an adopted son. And she said to him, I want you to open this after I die. And he put it in a safe and kept it. And then six months ago, when, when Betty passed away, he opened the letter and it told the whole story of his adoption. It was something she always struggled to speak to him about. She was very open about it, but didn't really tell much of the circumstances. But she wanted to explain to him one thing in particular. And she said, it breaks my heart to think of these things of what you wear. But I want you to know this. You were chosen. Those were her words to him. You were chosen. And I, don't, I didn't ask his permission to share this with you, but I don't mind telling you. I saw a change in him when he read that. He read it out to us and then he started joking around, I'm the chosen one of the three children. And you know, this passage that Paul is talking about is very much picking that theme up as, as, as Paul uh, talks about who we are in the spiritual realms. He says, you are chosen. And these are the, these are the verses. He chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
And then it goes on to say, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. He chose us. Paul is rejoicing because he has been chosen by God for adoption, by God Almighty, no less. And to understand this, I believe, is the ultimate remedy for insecurity, for striving to be accepted, because we have been chosen by God Almighty. We enjoy the tender love of our Father. His provision and protection and attention is ours. His approval is ours. And as uh, anybody who, like me, has had the chance of, of flying out to America will know that the process at the other side, uh, when you land in America, is horrendous. Um, I, I, I did it quite recently. Uh, I was overseeing Farouz. There are enormous queues in, in the, in the, in the uh, arrivals. Uh, it could be up to two hours where you're waiting to be accepted by immigration officials, where they, 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 they look at your passport, they look at your visa, this ESTA thing, they look at your vaccine pass and so forth. But actually, there's this brilliant thing that can happen in Dublin Airport. You can be pre-cleared. You can be pre-approved. And when you arrive in America, you don't even go through the same place as the other guys go through. It's like you're a citizen of the USA. It's like you've arrived in an internal flight. You've been pre-approved to come into the country. And this is what Paul is getting at here. We are pre-approved. In Christ, we have been pre-approved. It has been sorted. You know, this idea of God's election, this, this, this theology has baffled and divided many theologians for centuries. And I'm not trying to dodge it. Uh, but I want to say a couple of things about it. Paul is not trying to mess with our heads here. He is simply, at this point, giving praise to God for his work on drawing us to himself. Jesus said, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And yet there's a requirement, isn't there, on my part and yours to have faith. It is by grace through faith that we have been saved, we're told. Those historians among us will know uh, about Nicholas Copernicus, the 16th century astronomer, the guy who discovered that the sun doesn't rotate around the earth. He found out that it was the other way around, that the sun is actually the center of our solar system, not our world. And it transformed how astronomers thought. It's a bit like us, the discovery that we have to make about God that he does not revolve around us and our needs. He is sovereign. Verse 11 says he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It's amazing that he adopted me to be holy and blameless in his sight. And Paul is blown away by this. Yes, we chose God, but he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. We've been chosen for adoption. And that's the first thing that Paul is rejoicing about here in this passage. But he goes on uh, to talk about the next thing, which I'll need to call up on the screen here. He, has, he says that we have been purchased. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins in accordance with the riches of, his, of God's grace. Redemption, this, this word would have been very familiar in Roman times. Because slaves, you see, could have been set free on payment of a ransom. 
they would have been redeemed. They were no longer in slavery. They were now free. They were now a free person. And so to be redeemed through Jesus' blood meant to be set free. And the, the people reading this would have known exactly what Paul meant. All the sins of word and thought and deed and neglect of past and present and future are pardoned. The huge cost, the debt has been purchased and removed because of his mercy and his grace. That we are now free from the burden of guilt and fear through God's grace, as, the, as this passage says, that he lavished on us. So he's saying, you know, praise be to God, because of these things, we are chosen for adoption by the Father. We have been bought with a price by the Son. But thirdly, he goes on to say, we have been sealed. We have been sealed. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, he says, verses 13 and 14. We're marked out in the spiritual realms. This is remarkable as belonging to him, like a package in the ancient world that we have a mark of ownership on us, a seal in the spiritual realms, a birthmark of, of permanent ownership that we are identified in the spiritual realms as being of, of a child of God. And this seal that we're talking about is a deposit this passage says uh, of the holy spirit the holy spirit is a deposit not just a guaranteed future inheritance but if you like a first installment of what will be a foretaste of what will be and so paul can't stop <clears throat> giving praise for, for, for our standing in the spiritual realms that we've been chosen by the father we've been purchased by the son we have been sealed by the spirit and so let's just pause for a minute. Paul is clearly excited at all this. He's full of joy at these truths. I'm asking the question, am I? Are you? Because I absolutely believe this. If we get this, it will profoundly affect our emotions and it will profoundly affect our actions. And it's little wonder Paul started this letter in such a manner. Our perspective will be changed if we know the future. If we allow it to go from our head to our heart. I remember not that many years ago when I was first, like my dad, seeking after a woman. And I, I came across Bethel. And uh, I remember, um, it's a long story and uh, I'll keep it for another day, but, but I remember uh, eventually having the courage to ring her up and ask her out. And I was nervous. You fear rejection, you fear uh, the possibility of, will this girl be out of my reach and so forth. But when she agreed and said, yeah, I'll come out with you to, for a meal, something changed in me perspective changed. There was nothing that could make me sad or angry in the next few days as I anticipated what was ahead. If I was driving along in the road and a car cut me off, I would go, bless you. It was a wee mistake. Don't worry about it. If it was raining, I would go, Lord, it's wonderful that the roses are being watered for your glory. I had been changed because my perspective was set of what I knew was happening in the future, because I had the possibility of going out with Bethel. 
the perspective for me had changed because I saw what was ahead. And so Paul was trying, uh, as, as he moves on from this element of praise to the prayer, having led this song of praise, he is trying in his prayer to look to a different perspective because he wants uh, the, the people in Ephesus and the surrounding churches, them to have the same joy that he experiences. And so Paul goes on and his prayer reads something like this. I'll put it up on the screen for you. For this reason, he says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, for what reason? For the reason that we stand in such privilege in the heavenly realms. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and of your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. His request to God was, if we look at the next part, that you may know him better. It's really worth having a good read through this for yourselves. It's interesting, I find, to look at Paul's prayer because it doesn't uh, contain requests for material blessings. His focus is on the spiritual. He is responding to the inspired message just declared. And I think there's a lesson for me here and a lesson for us that prayer is not about getting God to accomplish my plans. It's about me submitting to his plans, not getting God to accomplish our plans, but submitting us to his plans. And when we turn his plans into our prayers, do you know what's amazing? They're answered and they're answered regularly. I was so taken by Uliah's interview. It was absorbing, but notice how she has submitted to what God is doing. Paul's prayer uh, is set in that light. And it's humbling to see the prayer requests for Ukraine brothers and sisters that are going up regularly from here to there, being posted on WhatsApp. Because the prayers are given in light of the position that we hold in the spiritual realms that we are adopted. We are royalty. Literally halfway through the service this morning, Olya from Ukraine posted this. She asked, she, 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 she posted a prayer of praise, but she goes on to talk about for us Christians, pray for us Christians, that we will share more about God in a time when people are truly most open to hear. That just came in uh, literally about 20 minutes ago. She is responding to what God is already doing. She is, she is aligning herself with God's will. And what is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians? Given his knowledge about the spiritual position uh, of privilege, he says that you might know him better. Verse 17. All of the blessings are above are to those who are in Christ. And Paul's prayer to them is that they might know him better. Not a knowledge about him, but knowing him, being in him. The same brother that I was, was talking to you about at Bethel, the adopted brother, um, I was with him some years ago out in America and he had a friend that he was telling me that who, who drove a Ferrari in America. And I said, oh my goodness, I would give anything to get a chance to sit in that Ferrari, to have a go in it. And he said, give me a wee minute. And he rang the guy up and this was the night before we were leaving to go home. This is years and years ago. And the guy was more than happy to come over. And he, he had dinner with us. And I'm thinking, eh, yada, yada, yada. Let's get him over to dinner. I'm really interested in getting in your Ferrari. <laughs> anyway, uh, after dinner, he took me for a run the Ferrari. And it was like, it was well after midnight. 
We were flying out the next day, but I didn't care. And he took me through the neighborhood and he got, he went at no speed at all. You felt every bump in the road. And then he took me out on the freeway and he said, and he just with, with a childhood enthusiasm, he said, where do you feel this? And he sunk the, the, the accelerator and the Ferrari flew. I couldn't believe it. It definitely was better than my Gulf diesel. It was, it was a flying machine. And I remember, I remember almost getting whiplash. But here was the scary thing. I, I was pumped with adrenaline. It was about 100 miles an hour, like speedo. And he said, did, did you see the speed we're doing? He said, the way do you feel this? And he did it again. And my goodness, the, the, the neck went back again. And on the way, the way back to the house, there was this Porsche on the left-hand side that came alongside him. And he just smiled and then sunk the welly and left this poor, pathetic Porsche 911 for dead uh, along the freeway. You see, I knew all about that Ferrari. I, I had read up on it. It was the same Ferrari that Tom Selleck, for, for those old enough to remember, drove in Magnum, the same model, but this was a souped-up version of the same car. But there was a difference between knowing the statistics and being in the car and experiencing this for yourself. I can't tell you just how different it was, and it's given me bragging rights for years afterwards. But Paul's prayer was for them, not that they would admire Jesus from a distance, but that they would know what it was like to be in him. And so therefore, this is the next part of his prayer. I'm going to share it on the screen now, just as we bring matters to a close. I hope you can see that. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The first thing, hope the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for those who believe. It's not about God altering their circumstances. It was more about the altering the way they saw the circumstances they were already in. He was praying that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that the center of their affections, their intellect, their imagination, in that center they would see the way God does. In order what? in order that they would know three things. And just as we bring matters to a close, let me list those three things. They're fascinating, they're amazing, and they're exciting. First of all, that they would know the hope to which he has called you. This new life in Jesus, to love and serve him and fellowship with each other, all the exciting possibilities of a transformed life yielded to Jesus. He was praying that their eyes would be open to this hope of their calling. But the hope also extends to future glory as he goes on to talk about the riches of his glorious inheritance. Do you know, as children of God, we are heirs of something that's beyond our capacity to even imagine. We shall see God. We will worship him. And when he appears, we will be like him. We will enjoy perfect fellowship with each other. And there'll be tribes and tongues from every nation. And Paul's prayer is that we get a glimpse of what is ahead, because that's a life-shaping picture. And then he finishes, and this could be a whole sermon in itself. The implication of Paul's prayer is the uh, that he, uh, as he finishes, is that we could be missing out on something, because he wants us to enjoy the incomparably great power for us who believe. We are missing out on our Christian experience if we fail to realize and lay hold of this incomparably great power for us. One who is 
able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his will, um, according to his, <clears throat> excuse me, his will and his power that is at work within us. This is something that is clearly evident to Yulia when she talks in her interview. Are we going to settle for a mediocre existence? Am I going to? Because there is incomparably great power at hand. And Paul wanted them to know it. And I'm sure God wants us to know that there's power to redeem souls, to renew minds, to reconcile relationships, to bring peace, to heal the sick, to set the captive free. And that power is at hand to us who are in Christ Jesus. Our standing in the spiritual realms as adopted into royalty, purchased, forgiven and sealed is amazing. Let's uh, let the intellectual thought of this move from our heads to our hearts to see the hope that he has for us, to live in the reality of the future inheritance which is for us, but to know the immeasurably great power for us. In the 24-7 prayer app this morning, one of the, the lines of the prayer that finished was this, may the knowledge of material things be lightened. May our walk be transformed as we live in the reality of our spiritual position in Jesus this week. Susan.